It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Boston Loose Baseball, Episode 41. Grant Paulson, Danny Ruye, producer Darius Dameron. We are going to discuss Mackenzie Gore not making a start at the end of this season and the fact that we have reached the finish line this week for the Washington Nationals. Coming up right now. That was impressive. Thank you. Seriously, that was a long one. Oh, like, he's going to stop any second, and then he didn't stop. Right now. Right now. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. This is episode 41. We are Grant, Danny, and Darius, and the Nasser in Action. Again, as we take a podcast, the weather wreaking havoc here in this final homestand on their plans. So now they've got a doubleheader today, Friday. As we record, they're down 2-0 in the fifth inning. I will try to talk as little about this game as possible because we know you guys will be listening staggered over these several days ahead. But some big-picture Nats items to cover. Let's start with Mackenzie Gore. Despite all of the rehab assignments and all the work he was doing to try to get back to health so that he could pitch at the end of this season, the Nats were dangling a start in front of him like a carrot. They wanted him to have something to work toward, they said. They pulled the plug on Mackenzie Gore on Friday, uh, saying that he will not pitch here at the end of the year in the major leagues. Really disappointing. Uh, based, It sounds like, according to Davey at least, on the weather, there's just too much uncertainty, rain delays, starting, stopping potentially in these games with his arm, uh, and also uh, the fact that he just hasn't been able to build up to, to enough longevity into games where they could get him to go you know, five, six innings if they wanted to. So... Those two things combined, they're not going to have him pitch, but they feel really good about where his arm is at. He'll go into the offseason healthy and hopefully primed to to be on the mound, start a spring training. I'm bummed about this. I get it. I, I'm not angry. I'm not shaking my fist at anything. I'm not calling anybody to the mat. I'm just ticked off and a little bit sad about it. I just wanted to see him. I'm telling you, dude, I, I have over-talked about it on this podcast. I'm fully aware, and I understand that I'm opening myself up for mockery. I happened to be watching early in the season because I wanted to see the guy, right? I'd heard something about him. He was one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. When he started against the Cincinnati Reds, granted a team that wasn't very good, but he was so dominant. It it was one of those things where you could put any number down if you're the catcher, and it would have been a great pitch. There was no wrong answer uh, when it came to pitch selection. He was ridiculous, and I've just wanted to see that again. I know he went through his... His funk, elbow inflammation, we know the whole story. But I just kind of wanted to see that little taste, that one more glimmer of hope that, you know, gets people excited to go into spring training next year and 
about what the future within the next couple of seasons might actually end up holding. So I, I again, I understand. I'm not being critical of anybody. If it's you know, if it's not prudent, it doesn't make sense. If you're not, if you feel like you're you're racing him back or, or rushing him, or you're going to get him up and have to sit him down after like you know 10, 15 pitches or throw his rhythm off or whatever it is, man. I understand. I'm bummed about it though, dude. I, I think all of us that f- have followed this team that are still here that are watching this one o'clock game, you know, as they're playing Philadelphia in front of tens of people that are hoping that doesn't get rained out tonight. If you've made it this far, you deserve a cookie. That was going to be my cookie was going to was see Mackenzie Gore have it taken away. I'm just bummed about it. Yeah. So I would be angry. I would be mad if the weather was nice and they did this. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that this really is weather related because there's not much worse than having a young arm getting jerked around by rain delays. And we've seen this a few times this year with Josiah Gray, even who they're ultra cautious with in these situations where he went out, he warmed up. I was at the Nats uh, ballpark one night. He was supposed to pitch, and then I'm sitting there, and Erasmo Ramirez walks out to take the ball, and I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" But I get it. You know, you don't want to mess with these arms and getting them hot and cold, and especially a guy who's been dealing with issues that have kept him on the shelf now for a couple of months. So, no problem whatsoever with this if it is indeed based on the weather. If this was all along something that they talked about doing, hey, let's let him think he's going to start so that we make sure he gets good work in rehabilitation-wise so that he grinds his way through four minor league starts. And then at the end, you know, if the time works out where we're into the final couple weeks, we'll just say, hey, we're not going to do this. Then I I don't like that nearly as much. But I I will uh, believe them when they say this is – about the weather and, and just not building him up as much as they would have liked. He made four starts at AAA. Mackenzie Gore pitched to a 5.25 ERA. The results weren't great. I mean, really, the, the story was, is he healthy? Uh, is he able to uh, wake up and feel good and go about his life the next day without any discomfort? And supposedly he was. Uh, 12 innings and 16 hits, which is not ideal. Seven runs, that's where the inflated ERA comes from. Through 230 pitches, had a 320 average against. Uh, one good sign was that his walk rate wasn't that high. It was down, you know, around like three-ish. wasn't like he was walking a ton of batters, but only nine strikeouts in AAA in those 12 innings. So, a lot that he's going to want to do better and improve upon. He was just getting back, just getting his feet wet, and they might have even honestly been throwing him to the Wolves to have a face a contending team with big power bats in the lineup like Philadelphia just so that we all got to see him. And that shouldn't be the goal either. You know, I, I wanted to start more than anything else for Mackenzie Gore because of how much time he's missed and how hungry he's been. Remember the day he got traded here in the Juan Soto deal from San Diego, you and I had him on the podcast. And right then and there, he was talking about trying to pitch pretty quickly and wanting to be back on the mound and helping this Nats team out at the big league level. And so this has been a goal of his since the day he got moved, and and I feel bad for him more than anything else. But to just rush him back so that you could say that he pitched once, it doesn't really put Trisket crackers in anybody's stomach. Yeah, and Davey mentioned this. The players should want to play. Players should want to pitch. And Mackenzie Gore, this is per Davey, said that he wanted to show everybody why they traded for him. Right, you want to prove yourself. You, you go to an organization, you've been hyped in, in other places, and everybody's told you how great you are and everything else. And you know, there's this natural sort of, what's all this hype about? What's all the attention for that you're gonna, you know, sort of prove it to this new organization and crew of guys? And Davey told him, we know why we traded for you. 
You don't have to prove anything to us, dude. We we got Mackenzie Gore. We're excited about Mackenzie Gore. We're not going to rush this thing. We're, we're taking care of you. But I I mean, listen, the 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 profile of kind of that delivery. He's got that little bit of um, not you know, Mary, you're you may be too young for this, GP. Do you remember Rick Sutcliffe as a pitcher? I would, know him as a broadcaster. Yeah, so as as a pitcher, and, and Sutcliffe pitched for the Orioles and pitched for pretty much everybody at least one point. But he had this part of his delivery where he would tuck the ball behind his right butt cheek, really like overemphasizing, trying to coil and get back and hide the baseball, et cetera. Gore's got a little bit of that with his left-handed delivery. And it's again, it's not totally Sutcliffian, a word I just made up, but he's got some deception. There's a, you know kind of a high right elbow as he sort of hits it over the top. The uh, there's there's some Kershaw to his delivery as well, just in terms of where the arm slot is. There's just so much to like about how he throws the baseball, and you want him to be right. I mean, that's really what this is all about. This isn't about squeezing out another win or see if he can get to five innings in a in a, in a rain soaked game here post hurricane in, in uh, you know the first weekend in October. This is about having him for a handful of years be the leader of hopefully a, a you know a door opening for this organization to be good again. So that's the priority. Again, I'm just bummed about it. There's no other way around it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the spring for a lot of reasons, but he's right near at the top of the list. Uh, just to kind of run through the profile in a little more detail on Mackenzie Gore, 23 years old, was the number one prospect in the Padres system at one point. They drafted him third overall in 27, and by 2020 he'd become the best left-handed pitching prospect and, and for a short time the best pitching prospect in all the minor leagues. Uh, then he took a huge step back, interestingly enough, in the high minors to the point where there were plenty of people that just kind of completely cooled on him and decided that Mackenzie Gore wasn't going to be who we all expected. You know, an ace-type, front-of-the-rotation starter, elite-level arm at the big league level. And it was kind of interesting how quickly that happened and how that quickly that escalated. I remember talking to him and, and being around him at a Futures game. Uh, if you go back to the 2019 season, he had a 1.69 ERA in the minors, a 9-2 and record. Mm. And in 20 starts, 100 innings, 135 strikeouts. It's kind of when he made himself into being one of the, the great prospects in the game. Then 2020, the pandemic year, he didn't pitch. 2021, uh, he pitched at A+, AA, AAA, kind of all the way up the, the system. 12 starts, an ERA in the upper threes, 50 innings, 61 strikeouts, 46 hits. Again, had you know a lot of success, but... You know, not nearly the amount of success that previously we had seen, and the walk rate really jumped. And I think a lot of people were bothered by it. But that's when people started to cool on him, and, and that's just how fickle the prospect game is now. You love a guy one right. month, then he's not dominating, and you don't anymore. And the people that really liked him, I think, your Jim Callis's of MLB Pipeline, certainly all the folks in San Diego system, weren't worried. Um, but then you fast forward to 2022, uh, what he did in San Diego while it was a mixed bag, uh, was really impressive. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, coming over to Washington, you got to see him pitch just these four times in AAA. But I thought this year was interesting because if you, if you actually run through kind of the sample for him at the big league level this year and you look at the game log, so to speak, um, he started his season with three starts where he didn't give up more than two runs. Went five and a third, five and five innings in April against the Braves and the Reds twice, one of those games Danny referenced, where he struck out 10. And that was 15 in the third innings, 20 strikeouts, three runs. So in April this year, he was 2-0 and with a 1.76. And you're going, oh, my God. 
like, the, what, what is the limit of this dude? Is he a Cy Young candidate out of the gate? I mean, he looked incredible. Then May happened, and his May was even better. And he made five starts in May. He went five and two-thirds, one run at Cleveland. He went five innings, three runs at Chicago. He went three scoreless, came out of that game against the Phillies. Six innings, one run next time out at the Giants. And then he pitched against the Pirates, seven shutout with nine strikeouts. So in May, he had a 1.69 ERA, 26 innings, 27 strikeouts, and a 204 average against. Yeah, through nine starts, a 150 ERA. And at that time, not only was he one of the leaders in the league in almost every pitching category, but suddenly he looked like the ace he was always supposed to be. Then he dealt with some fatigue. His first start of June was excellent, six shutout innings, 10 strikeouts. So that was his 10th start of the year. So as Danny mentioned, his ERA was down to 1-5. Uh, then he got hit around. June 11th against the Rockies, gave up six runs, knocked out in the third. Then he was at Coors Field, never a fun place to pitch. Four innings, nine hits, eight earnings. ERA had gone in two starts from 1-5 to 3-6. Then he went five shutout against the Phillies. But it was not long after that that he would have to succumb to the issues he was having. Five and two-thirds, one run against the Dodgers. Great start to July. Then he went three and a third, eight runs against the Giants. And then his next two outings were a combined two innings and four runs. And he just was feeling whatever was going on with that arm, with that um, injury. And so that was kind of the end of the road for him at that point. Profile to me is is really exciting. Um, I know when we talked to him, he he kind of poo-pooed his changeup and kind of what it was doing here of late. But I think that's what can make him really special. Great moment in podcast history. Yeah, by it was the way. pretty. It was really nice. I was complimenting it. He's like, "Yeah, actually, it's been dog crap." And I was like, "Great, okay." Anyway, it's good to have you on. Danny was like, "Isn't that your best pitch?" And he's like, "Actually, it's my worst pitch." He's like, "I hate it. I hate throwing and I hate you." Um, but he's <laughs> mid nineties with his fastball, slider, and a curveball. I I always think when a guy is fastball, slider, curveball. That inevitably sometimes, we see this with Josiah Gray sometimes, that slider and that curveball bleed into each other a little bit. You get slurves. Not that that's necessarily bad, but it's hard to keep a distinct pitch be- between those two all the time. It's such a, a you know a tough field thing to do. And having that changeup to be able to go to, which is you know kind of plays in the mid-80s. Again, what I saw against uh, Cincinnati in that 10-strikeout start, he was using that to set everything else up. Guys were way behind that mid-90s fastball. Did you watch his start against Cincinnati? I know I've mentioned it, and I told you this would open myself up for criticism. The and only reason I even bring it up now is because you said this is going to open myself up to criticism, which I didn't understand why you said that. But now, obviously, I have to pounce on that as best I can. Well, of course you do. It's it's what we do here on this podcast. So, uh, fastball uh, velocity, 69th percentile. Yeah. Extension, 93rd percentile. Everything else and, is kind of ugly on the percentile. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about was the extension. Because I'm telling you, it, his his mid-90s fastball. Now, again, I, I'm st- I'm still enough to remember when mid-90s was a huge deal. Like when Mark Wohlers threw 95 and had no idea where it was going for the Braves, he was menacing. Now, again, soft-tossing lefties throw 95. It's unbelievable the velocity jump we've seen just within the last decade or so. But his mid-90s does not play like mid-90s. You, you can watch guys get uncomfortable with it. And... You know, I was going to ask you about spin rates, but I, I bet that extension part of it makes a lot of sense to me, just given you know how he's got. He's 49th percent spin rate, so literally smack dab in the middle of, of pitchers. It's that, I, I keep saying the same thing, it's, it, it, the, the right arm, the lead arm for his delivery, there's a little bit of that tilt that, that comes up, and next thing you know, it's coming out of that same tunnel, that same shoot, and he's really getting good extension when he, he fires that fastball. And if he can you know keep that slider playing off it, 
Um, you've seen lefties with great success doing that very thing. I mean, Randy Johnson was more three quarters. You see Patrick Corbin closer to over the top with his delivery. But if if those are your bread and butters, and you can throw a curveball to kind of get people off that, and that changeup can kind of get back into form, he can be incredibly effective. I'm telling you. So it's four pitches. It's the four seam fastball, which he throws the vast majority of the time. Curveball, he throws more than the slider, but he uses both breaking balls a bunch. Uh, really, the curveball, I'd say, more frequently against uh, right-handers. Barely ever throws the curveball, it seems like, to left-handers. And then he's got a slider that he'll use both against lefties and righties. And then his changeup, uh, which, again, Danny tried to tell him was his best pitch and compliment him on, and he told Danny to leave him alone. Uh, but He called me stupid and fat. The numbers aren't wrong. I'm with sure his eyes. Told, with his I'm eyes, sure he, he told you. On the phone, you saw his eyes. Yeah. Like, you could tell that's what he thought of me. Fastball, 94.7. Curveball, 81 miles an hour. Slider, 87 miles an hour. Changeup's 85. On the changeup this year, by the way, uh, let's see. What are we looking at? We're looking at a batting average against of uh, 333. That's why he doesn't like it very that's much. That's why I didn't like it. Uh, three for nine, I think. But the X batting average was 213. But uh, his batting average against this year, 230 on his fastball, 250 on the curveball, 285 on the slider. 333 on the uh, changeup. So I, I guess those results are probably uh, where some of his frustration with that pitch comes from. But I'm with you. I think it's a, a better pitch than he made it seem like that it was. But we'll see what happens now as he gets back to the drawing board, man. I'm also curious to see how his season plays out being in Washington as opposed to being at Pepco Park. I just called it Pepco. I'm sure it's Pepco. Uh, Petco Petco. Park. In San Diego, not a massive difference, I wouldn't think. But I will tell you that at Petco Park, um, he would have had eight expected home runs allowed and at Nats Park, six. So it's a slightly friendlier confines, I would say. A little bit of a better situation for him. I mean, he could, you know, ideally, best case scenario for him, like this year he would have given up five home runs if all of his game were at PNC Park. But Nats Park, kind of friendly. He's pitching for the Mets, he's given up eight. The Rangers, he's given up eight. So uh, I, I think you know getting traded here, you know you're going to be an anchor in this rotation. You know you're going to get a chance every fifth day. The rebuilding team, they're not going to jerk you around. And if everything works out, I mean, he really has a chance. Him and Cavalli and Gray interchangeably let him compete, see who co- goes where. I, I would say likely, though, because of his experience, you know, he could be their best young starter next year. Cavalli and Gray battling for the two and the three. You know, Cavalli certainly has more upside. Gray just had a full season, maybe benefits from that, really struggled second half of the year. And we'll see if he can finish strong after a really good outing the other day. But those three guys give you a whole lot of hope that you have a foundation for a rotation now moving forward. Yeah, it changes your your island, your profile a little bit, right? You, you, now you're a veteran starter away. You know, you, you got to keep sending Patrick Corbin up because the outrageous amount of money that he's getting and maybe this September renaissance is the real one. I don't know. But you can envision a rotation now, right, where Corbin and your five, Somebody that's competent that can get you 160 innings as as your four. Maybe it's Eric Fetty again. I don't know. Again, I'd like to do better than that to try to compete. But maybe you just got to wear it for one more year until you think that big three that you just mentioned gets through a 162 campaign and then kind of is ready to lead a, a rotation and lead a team in in, in a competing uh, into October as, as the division is going to be really good. So maybe you bide your time a little bit. Depends how they want to play that. But yeah, I, I mean, think of the beginning of this year. We're going Josiah Gray. That's fun. And I guess what else? Whenever Steven Strasburg pitches, it's Eric Fetty, it's Anibal Sanchez, it's Mr. Hit Around, Patrick Corbin. Uh, now you got those three names at the top, and you could do a lot worse if you're kind of doing a I'd like to be pretty good pretty soon starter kit. 
A couple of things on the other players in that deal before we move on. I'm sure you guys saw that C.J. Abrams had his first game-winning walk-off hit of his career. He did it against the Braves to put the exclamation point on a three-hit game. We talked a lot about C.J. Abrams on the last episode of Bustin' Loose Baseball. So if you want some detailed thoughts and a detailed breakdown on the San Diego to Washington trade edition, the 21-year-old shortstop left-handed bat, uh, go back and listen to our last pod. Last seven games for him, Danny. Ten for his last 25 at the plate, hitting 400. Uh, and in the month here, it's it's been a really strong September. I mean, he's gotten comfortable in the field, obviously. But how about a 307 average and a 725 ops in the month of September for C.J. Abrams, who's moved up in the order now? Great moment. Uh, great, probably the wrong term. An excellent teachable moment for Abrams the other night, right? You mentioned the game-winning hit. In that same game, he does not leg out a ground ball out of frustration and would have been safe if he had gone full bore because he's lightning fast. That's one of those, okay, now I know, right? That's I my assets are what? I'm not he, you know, if he's if he's a, you know, Luke Voigt who's here to hit home runs and and show his chest hair, I forgive you for going 75% down the line. Your asset is your speed. Your ball and play skill is your is your best thing, right? So you can't afford that. That's not who you are. You don't get to be frustrated and, and you know loaf it down to first. He gets that lesson, later is able to come back and provide the game-winning hit. I love those kind of moments for a guy that should be a junior in college right now. That's, that's so good. It's the whole point of these September call-ups for teams that have lost over 100 games already. It's the whole exercise is why they're playing these good teams that are in these really competitive games. For them, it matters a ton for those guys, and you sort of see the intensity that's needed. It's kind of the learning experience element of things that we talked about uh, on the last podcast. So, yeah, it, it's good to see. You and I talked, you you and I hammered this, and I think we were dead on. His comically low batting average on balls in play was unsustainable, especially someone that's that fast. He, the hits are starting to fall in. He looks the part, though. He looks comfortable at the dish. And, you know, where this ultimately goes in terms of him and his power stroke, is he going to be a, a doubles guy? Does he, does he end up with 20 home runs at any point in his career? I don't know, and I, I probably, if I was to bet, I'd bet against it because it's hard to do. Not that many guys do it, especially with his kind of body type. But I think the fact remains, I think that guy can pick it at shortstop. So at a minimum, you've got a bottom of the order, occasional spark plug right back there that can play a good defensive shortstop. But I think at maximum, this can be a good hit tool player that may not be your prototypical leadoff, right, in terms of getting on base at a 40% clip, but he can be someone that can you know, wreak some havoc. And if you want to, on a good lineup, hitting him ninth, for example, if a team was good, I'd love to have him kind of as my 1A leadoff hitter, where now all of a sudden my 1-2 in my order are my middle-of-the-order bats trying to drive him in because he's on first, stolen second, as a threat to go to third, infield has to play him in a different way. I think especially next year, too, and, and beyond, the elimination of shifts might also help him tremendously. I mean, think about where guys have to position themselves uh, when he's up there, just spraying ground balls. You get beat on a ground ball, it's still base hit opportunity for him, whereas it's not for you know kind of regular mortals without that kind of speed. So it's been fun to watch him, man. It's it's cool to, 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 to tune in each and every afternoon or evening, whatever it is, and watch that guy do something that reminds you of why he's exciting. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I thought we could play a little game on the podcast today. How do you feel about that? I feel pretty good. Okay, so for in corner uh, number one, playing and, and representing... Um, uh, St. Albans High School. Oh, yeah, the Bulldogs. Washington, yes, D.C., yeah. uh, Danny Ruiz. Oh, yeah, thank Ladies you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Here we go. Here, clap, Danny. Can't you clap? I, I can't really clap. Why anyway. not? What happened to your thumb? Well, I cut it while showering. It's not a big deal. It's mm. a glamorous story. Should I tell it for the podcast listeners? Yeah, I think you should. We'll get to that in a sec. Okay. Um, I was naked. Just FYI. Yeah, just picture that. Um, all right, but in the meantime, in the other corner here, we've got Darius. Hey, Darius. Yeah, representing, I'm going to say Southern Maryland. Does that work? Uh, yeah, I, I want to do my high school. He did oh. St. Albans. Well, can I do my high school? Well, I don't know your high school. Frederick Douglass High School. Frederick Douglass High School. Let's Let's go. Go. I mean, it's up to you. Like, when you're on Sunday Night Football, you could say whatever you want. You could say from the Frostburg the State University. Frederick uh, Douglass High School. You could say from the Frederick Douglass High School. We'll go with the high school. All right, very good. <laughs> the game is, which Washington National has their own clothing line? Ooh. Which Washington National has their own clothing line? Now, you each get to guess... So for round one, you'll both guess on the. I'll say one, two, three. Guess, and you'll just say the name of a national at the same time. And this right. is a current national. This is a current has national. a clothing line has or like a T-shirt own, that they made. They have their own clothing line. All right, ready? One, two, three. Guess. Luis Garcia. Darius, you forgot to play. <laughs> You're not representing Frederick Douglass High School very well. C.J. Abrams. Okay, both are good guesses. Neither are the right answer. Okay, we're gonna do another round. Are you guys ready? Tell me when you have a guy. I don't have a guy. Uh, I don't have a guy either. All right. I'll try one. Okay. Darius. Let's go one? for it. Let's go for it. One, two, three. Guess. Cal Sean Doolittle. No, Darius. I thought about that Who one. Who would you say? I said Cal Finnegan. Okay. Sean Doolittle's the best guess, I'd say, but no, that's not right. He's fashionable. So now you guys have had four guesses and none of them are right. That's fine. This is why we're playing the game. It's a fun game. It's easier like, to ask. Do people questions. know this, by the way? Like, this is a I thing? I just saw this for the first time ever a minute ago. That's it's, why we're playing the game. It's funny. I could have cheated because I got an email earlier this week, and I believe it's from Jessica Camarado. She wrote the article on it. You're right. And it said, This Nat has a clothing line, and I never clicked on it. I wish I did now. Yeah. The headline of this story is This Nat has his own clothing line. There it is. That's, I, I saw that email. It. All right. So, who's got another guess? Uh, get your guess ready. Uh, okay. You got one? Yeah. All right. All let's right. go. Darius. I got it. Here we go. Three, two, one, guess. Cesar Hernandez. Definitely not Cesar Hernandez. I don't know why I said definitely, like he's a bad dresser. <laughs> well, I, again, I, I was trying to think it's like, what's the most random thing possible that wouldn't make any sense to me? Because right. none of this does so right. far. Okay. And like a guy you that has Luke one Boyd? home run. I said Luke Voigt. They always do the bit where he has like the open. Great the idea. Open, it's uh, not button. him either. No. So you guys have now unsuccessfully guessed six players on the team. That is amazing. This is awful. Nobody's guessed Jordan Weems yet. Hint, hint. All right. Um, so next round, who has a player? They come up with a player. All right. Okay. Um, I got one. Darius has one. Danny, do you have one? I got one. All right. Three, two, one, guess. Jordan, Jordan Weems. Weems. Not Jordan Weems. <laughs> you guys have unsuccessfully. Why did you both think it was Jordan Weems? You literally said. 
I know, you but just, that was just to throw you off. That was a head fake. Okay, so seven <laughs> players have been guessed right, unsuccessfully. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, come up with another net. Tell me when one. you're ready. I got one. Okay, Darius. Yeah, let's go. All right, ready? Three, two, one. Get. Hunter Harvey, Mason Thompson. Hunter Harvey and Mason Thompson. Definitely not the right answer. This is getting. It's actually getting hilarious. So now we're at eight nationals who have been guessed, none of whom have their own clothing line. Hunter Harvey's mullet made you think he had his own clothing line? He no, said Hunter Harvey. I, I said, said Hunter Harvey. Thompson. Again, no one should have their own clothing line <laughs> for a hundred one loss team on their way to hundred two, as we're talking right now. So. None of that makes sense to me. Okay. So I'm just naming players. Okay. I don't know if that helps you. <laughs> a little bit. Tell me when you've come up with the next national. I have my next national. Okay. Darius, this is so fun right now. You having a good time? I'm having a blast. Next one of us. All right, okay. let's go for it. I got it. All right, you got one? Yeah. Frederick Douglass is listening right now. They are. I mean, not, not the Not Frederick the. Douglass. They're not proud of their guy the, right the, now. The school. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one, guess. Josiah Gray. Robles. The answer is Josiah Gray. Wow. Danny got it. Wow. Josiah Gray has his own clothing line. Look at that. Like, okay. What? Danny has questions. <laughs> so I'm just going to read a little bit of this. Okay, you. go ahead, please. Because you're you're now, because you brought this to my attention, you're going to have to answer all kinds of questions that you probably can't answer. Starting pitcher Josiah Gray added clothing line collaborator to his resume this year. This is from MLB.com and Jess Camerato. The right-hander was approached early in the season by apparel brand Leo Vici. Leo Vici? I don't know. E-L- yeah, Leo, Leo, yeah. L-E-O-V-I-C-I. Right. To develop a special collection together, it was a way, it was a way for Gray 24 to express his sense of fashion while also giving back to charity. The partnership, Gray said, has happened organically. I got on a call and talked about what my style is, sort of my laid back, um, wear at any time, sort of simple. Uh, but I wanted to fit well. I wanted to look nice and be comfortable. We did a great job of sending out samples, things that I like. We collaborated on different shirts and a hoodie. Working off his last name, the three pieces uh, of the brand were titled The Gray Collection. So, Danny, we got to get you something from The Gray Collection. They were designed in different hues of gray and launched in mid-June. Is it uh, just shirts? Or is it like Looks pants? Like t-shirts and hoodies, maybe? Oh. See, that's uh, different to me than, than a cl- I don't know. I mean, that, that actually looks handsome. But my... Can you just call it a clothing line? Well, isn't I'm, it more like three T-shirts? Jessica Camerado says this Nat has his own clothing line. I, again, that, that's like to me like jeans and and long sleeve shirts and button downs. Well, Maybe it why is. Why do you have such an issue with Josiah Gray's clothing line? He's done a great job. With yeah, it. I'm kind of psyched for this now. Yeah, I am too. You want to get something from the Gray line? I think I will get something from the Gray me line. Too. That's my guy. I. The, the threshold for what makes a line seems to be very low to everyone, and no one seems to care about that except for me. Like, he's got some T-shirts. That's cool. And the, a hoodie. You, you yeah, and a hoodie. hoodie. That's great. But jeans maybe, too. It is hoodie season. Not yet. He doesn't have them yet, but maybe. Then, 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 then do we have a line yet? I feel like we don't. I feel I, like he's got some T-shirts and a hoodie. Do, do we need to get Jessica Cameron on so you can ask her the question? Because she's the one that said he had a line. I'm just I'm just reading you a, a story. I told you you weren't going to be prepared to answer all my exactly. questions that, that came from it. I'd like to. Maybe you can give jo- Josiah Gray crap for this, too. Um, he is the new ambassador for the Nationals Youth Baseball Academy, which oh, is our favorite nice. place to go hang out. Uh, over the years, ambassadors have included Ian Desmond, Anthony Rendon. Both did a great job. Josh, Josh Bell, Bell was awesome. Our buddy Tal Alter at one point ran the academy and now runs kind of all the, the Nats events. So I don't know if you want to pick any nits here. 
but all he's doing is great work in the community while making clothes for people. See, now what you've done is you've turned into, like, Danny's the bad guy because right. he doesn't it's, understand what, how we can just call it a clothing line. <laughs> Raise money for charity. Nat's charities. that's great. The uh, um, Nat's Youth Academy is phenomenal. Stick aside because I, I shouldn't bust your chops on this. But, um, yeah, the, the Nat's Youth Academy, for people that don't know, they do an amazing job. Uh, it's right near the ballpark in southeast D.C., and uh, the opportunity for the young people of the community to meet and play ball with and, and just benefit from time around Nationals players is always really, really cool. So many great volunteers, too, that don't get like the same shine as you know the, the, the player rep that goes over there. So many folks make that place great. It's, it's not just playing baseball. It's you know, training. It's you know, academic work and sort of you know, things for uh, kids in underserved communities to do. It's fantastic uh, what they've built over there. So it's really cool that Jagger is doing that. With the T-shirts and and sweatshirt that he's selling, those clothing items that he's selling, his clothing line. He has a clothing line. <laughs> he's got some T-shirts and a sweatshirt. All right, if this whole clothing line term for what he has bothers you, I'll tell you about something that bothers me. Okay, we, we could be on the same page. We could share this. Yeah, Victor Robles got picked off again today, and this doesn't have a whole lot to do with the game. We're not breaking down a live game as it's happening. Although Joey Manessis did have a double in this game, which is all he does. But Victor Robles got picked off again, and it wasn't even a good move from Bailey Falter. It was just Bailey Falter lifting his leg. It was a show-me move, by the way. Right. It was like the the move that you've seen a billion times to just get a guy to to scamper back toward first, and, and he just kind of doesn't slide. He just you know takes that long step back and steps on the bag. Or you could be Victor Robles and just run into an out. I am just so over his on-base act. And I, I don't want to be like even overly negative. I mean... At this point, we are what we are with, with Victor Robles. We, we get it. It's good defense. It's anything you get on offense is a plus. Not a whole lot of power, whatever. But the running into outs thing is infuriating to me. His baseball IQ is just terrible. It's terrible. It hasn't gotten any better. It's gotten worse. All these years. It's inexcusable. This is the major leagues, dude. There, As Mike Rizzo likes to say, Ah, there's uh, no league higher than this one. This is the show, dude. Do you know what would happen if he did some of this crap at, you know, uh, at, at the Bullis School in uh, in Potomac, Maryland? If he was doing it at St. Stephen's, St. Agnes in Alexandria? If he was doing it in the Catholic League in and around D.C. or, or you know, Madison High School where they take their, take their baseball real serious? Dorman. This is the show. When you're 21 up here... And the lights are bright, and the, the the stands are loud, and everybody's yelling at you. Maybe it's moving too fast. You might make a blunder or two. You might not go home when the infield's back on a ground ball, which he did, by the way, one time, and I still have never forgotten about it. You might make a mistake, or you might miss a cutoff, man. At some point, dude, take a turn. At some point, turn right or left or, or get a Sherpa and figure it out. This is so beyond unacceptable with this guy at this stage. And if he was hit, if this was made, because you, you you talk about this all the time on uh, on, on Grant and Daniel 106.7 The Fan and, and other shows that we've done together. It's all cute, Manny Ramirez, where you're not cashing your checks and you're throwing to, you know, or cutting off throws from the outfielder when you're driving 125 runs and hitting 40 bombs. It ain't cute when you're a 220 hitter with six jacks that gets on base at a 279 clip that continues to make these kinds of middle school mistakes. Middle school, that's the level of mistake. If you air, you know, you airmail the throw trying to hose a runner 
I get that. That's a mistake of aggressiveness. That's a physical error. That that's going to happen sometimes here or there, right? You don't make a catch. You swing and miss at a pitch. Whatever. These constant. I'm not sure what I'm doing here. It's like I've never read a pitcher, never gotten a jump, never sort of figured anything out. I just can't. I can't do it anymore, man. I've got no patience. He'll be 26 next year. I am counting down the days till I don't have to watch that guy play for my home team anymore. Seriously, that's how I feel about it. He, if he turns around, has a renaissance, and shoves it in my face, more power to you. It I'm could. So, that would be a great thing. I am so sick of his act. There, there's my there's my stamp. I'm so tired of his act. I love the gold glove caliber D. Like I'm a sucker for Sterling defense in center field, which he's gotten back to largely playing, but... Yeah, I'm I'm over it. I'm good on it, and I'm moving on this offseason if I'm calling the shots. I'll, I'll figure something else out. It's not that hard to replace what he's given you, but you've given him enough time. And if he ends up being really good elsewhere and a change of scenery helps Fine. him, so be Fine. it. Fine. More power to you, kid. Long gone! Uh, real quick, I wanted to run through some of the awards the Nats gave out in the minor leagues at the... Uh, uh, this week, at, over the last uh, several days, these have kind of trickled out. This is what I saw unofficially in some different sites. Um, Mike Rizzo, Dejon Watson, the staff involved in determining these awards. Hitter of the year in the minor leagues, they went with Jeremy De La Rosa and James Wood. Now, first, let's talk Wood. I was really surprised to see that he got some recognition here because... Um, for like a month. What's that? He was here for like a month, right? That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He played in... 21 games and about 90 plate appearances. Had an 830 ops. Was very impactful. Couple of home runs, eight doubles. I saw a couple of his extra base hits in Fredericksburg. The guy's the real deal. I mean, he's got a chance to be a star. Um, but you're comping him to a guy in, in De La Rosa who, you know, played in 100 games and, and 450 plate appearances that we can talk about in a second. But there's no doubt they're excited about what James Wood was able to do after coming over from the Padres and uh, celebrating that. Skill set is beyond sexy. I mean, a guy that can move that gracefully, that quickly, with that kind of power, nice fluid short swing, which he's, you know, since dramatically improved over the last couple of seasons, sky's the limit for that guy. Uh, Jeremy De La Rosa was their organizational player of the year as a guy who's been here all season, been in the system now. Uh, last year struggled in Fredericksburg, repeated the level beginning of this year, was fantastic in A ball there, so they bumped him up to A+. Plus. Left-handed bat, about 5'11". He is an outfielder who is a good athlete. I I think he can play the field pretty decently. I like the way he runs on on the base paths. He's 20 years old, native of the Dominican Republic. For the season this year, the 20-year-old played in 100 games, 11 home runs, and just under 70 runs batted in. Most of those homers came early in the year, cooled off from a power standpoint as the year went. Hit 280 with a OPS just under 800. Uh, he will repeat the A-plus level, presumably, at the beginning of next year. He hit just 195 in 32 games after getting bumped up to A-plus. Had a 544 OPS, really struggled. But he had a 900 ops and a 315 average with 10 homers in 69 games before uh, getting moved up from Fredericksburg. So it's kind of a tale of, of two years. Mostly played at Fred, you know, then went to and struggled at Wilmington. And we'll see if he can do the same thing next year he did this year, where you, know, you you didn't have a whole lot of success at a level, so they start you there, and now Can you graduate. Yeah, you master it. But his age needs to be remembered. I mean, I keep saying he's twenty years old, um, but when you're twenty and an A plus, you're young for the level. Uh, when you're nineteen last year and you're in Fredericksburg, you are young for the level. So 
That's why I'm really, really still comfortable and confident in him eventually being a good big leaguer. Uh, you look at the speed. He had 39 steals this year in the minors and 46 tries, 26 in Fred, and then 13 more in Wilmington and 15 tries. So this is a guy who can hit the ball over the fence occasionally. I think it's a lot of doubles, stolen bases, can play the outfield. If he can be a contact hitter, hit for some average, you know, he could turn himself into a really good prospect. And he already turned a corner this year in a way that I don't think a lot of people outside of the organization anticipated. Yeah, the speed is the thing that kind of is is playing quicker. Um, and, you know, being able to utilize it, right? A lot of guys can run a 60-yard dash. A lot of guys can, you know, on, go on a track. But can you read a pitcher, get going quickly, get a jump, get to the bag, that sort of thing? And it seems like he could certainly do that. That's, that skill as a base stealer all of a sudden looks paramount or, or uh, looks like it's coming, coming through. MLB Pipeline moved him into the top 10 in the system. Um, they grade him as a 45 hitter with 55 power, but a 60 runner, 50 arm. I mean, you're talking about yeah. almost categorical big league average tools on his grade. Which is pretty legit. Again, that's uh, good for him for turning himself into that. So, especially now, I think, let's let's say this all comes true, right? Major League Baseball is adopting some of the same things we've seen in the minors, the rule changes, bigger bases encouraging the stolen base, kind of banning shifts, hoping ball and play, more action. Maybe speed becomes more paramount again. I don't think we're going to see Ricky Henderson, you know, Vince Coleman dueling for, you know, well over 100 stolen bases again. But I do think you might see guys get into the 50s and the 60s, uh, uh, you know, to, to lead the league like we saw, you know, a decade ago or so. You may see speed be more of a premium thing um, as maybe the analytics catch up to, to the value of it. So that's really good to see. And again, I think there's going to be different ways to skin a cat as you kind of go through this new era of baseball that's turned into nothing but true outcomes. I think more and more teams are going to say, well, maybe bat to ball is going to be more important. There's good value there. Maybe some speed is as good as a guy that's going to hit 30 homers. Maybe a 15 guy that's going to steal 40 bases is 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 just as important. We can create runs that way. I like this. I like that that he's uh, getting a nice little reward, a nice little uh, attaboy for uh, you know for a really good campaign at Fredericksburg and a nice little taste of what the next level has to offer. Yeah, you just you, you look at kind of the complete stat line and it, it's. There aren't a lot of guys in the minor leagues that were as good for the first half of the season as he was in Fredericksburg. And when you hit 280 and get on base at a 360 clip and you slug 440 and you, you have 20-plus doubles and, and double-digit home runs and nearly 40 steals, I mean, it's just a, a total package. So one of 12 players in all the minor leagues to put together a slash line of 280, 358, 436 or better to go along with 39 stolen bases. You can see why they were high on him. In the Nats minor league system, he ranked tied for second uh, in stolen bases. He ranked fourth in on-base percentage, fifth in batting average, fifth in OPS. Uh, he was fifth in runs batted in, sixth in total bases, and set career highs in almost every single category. He was named the Carolina League Player of the Month in May when he hit 372 uh, at that level. Uh, elsewhere, they named their Pitcher of the Year, in the minor leagues, and that distinction, I guess not stunningly, went to Cade Cavalli. Got off to a really slow start at AAA Rochester, ended up really picking it up, and then they made him earn it. I mean, they just kept <laughs> him in the minor leagues forever and ever and ever. Eventually, they called him up. He made one start, ended up not being healthy enough to pitch after that, and hopefully, knock on wood, you know, he'll be good to go at the start of next season. But Cade Cavalli in the minors, 97 innings and just 75 hits. That's about as dominant as you're going to be at the highest level of the minors from a hit standpoint. 104 strikeouts and 75 hits allowed. Man. 
You're talking about almost 30 more punchies than hits given up. That's ridiculous. 215 average against. Now, the ERA was a little inflated because of some bad luck with walks before you know the rare hit you might give up or some crooked numbered home runs. But you, know, you cut down on the walks a little bit, you could really have a dominant front of the rotation type starter. Whip was around 1.2 this year. Um, more fly balls than ground balls from Cade Cavalli. But pitcher of the year and in line to hopefully break camp with the big club next year. Based on what we've seen from this team, I would assume you know they'll start him in AAA and, and wait to get him to the majors. But uh, he's certainly going to be big league ready at the start of the year, hopefully. Uh, but you would say so. And remember, there, there was some idea. Now, maybe they didn't think this internally. But maybe there was some idea, because he was great in spring training, about maybe breaking, uh, uh, coming back north with the club. Then his last couple outings in spring training, he got shellacked. Then it was AAA for the next, you know, decade it seemed like um as he was there but that fly ball profile something i wanted to touch on i think he's going to always be a, a fly ball pitcher maybe not always maybe he'll, he'll reinvent himself later on in his career but i think that's going to come with the territory of, of throwing as hard as he does you have to play up in the zone think garrett cole the new kind of houston astros paradigm with that kind of riding fastball and the slider that plays off of it you're going to be at risk every, every now and again of maybe giving up a bolt here or there just because you're going to be challenging with that fastball, early counts and the like at the major league level. He's, his stuff is just so good that that's the way he's got to be. Uh, I think he's going to be really, 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 really tough to hit. His troubles are going to be because you know he maybe gets into bad counts or walks some guys or, or, or puts guys on uh, through, through sort of lapses in control and command. But the stuff, I think, is just otherworldly. And I want to see him in the major leagues for an extended period of time. Yeah, hopefully for the duration of the year. Defensive player of the year went to infielder Jordy Barley. Uh, you guys may remember that name. He came over at the trade deadline last year as one of the good athletes that they brought in uh, from the Padres. I think he came over in the Daniel Hudson deal, if memory serves. Uh, but he's only 22 years old. He spent this past season uh, in Wilmington in the Sally League. Uh, he didn't really hit at all. He hit 203 with a 545 OPS. Ooh. Um, hit two home runs. I mean, he's a, and like I said, he's, he's a toolsy kind of speed burner of a shortstop uh, who can play the field and, and athletically can offer some things defensively. He stole 34 bases and 38 tries. You know, last year he was 45 for 56, so he, you know, a much more efficient percentage. But he's a career 226 hitter in, in now five seasons of minor league baseball. So I'm not sure how much offense is there. You know, there's never been a ton of power. There was some hope. You know, last year I saw him at a home run in the minors. He had 10 for the season. But uh, that number really fell off uh, this year. His slug for his minor league career is, is down around 365. Yikes. And it was 285 this year. So not all that pretty, but he was their defensive minor leaguer of the year. So congratulations to him on that honor. Uh, their base runner of the year was Jacob Young. Jacob Young, who Danny, uh, we've talked about on the pod a few different times. Um, Jacob Young's a guy who <clears throat> is, was, I should say, one of the leaders in all of baseball in runs scored for the Nationals this season. Like There were times where you would look at the, the, the stat sheet for runs scored in professional baseball, and it was like him and Aaron Judge vying for the lead. <laughs> That's wild. Um, 118 runs for the Fredericksburg Nats this year for Jacob Young, who is an outfielder, fast, 23 years old, played at Florida, was a seventh-round pick, and who is not going to drive the baseball, but he can flat-out run. He had 52 steals 
in 59 attempts. And, I mean, how Man. starved are the Nats for an athlete like that? Um, but OPS a little under 700. The guy can f- just fly. He's a really good defensive player. In fact, I was watching a Nats game in Fredericksburg with one of the um, staffers for the team next to me for a couple innings at one point. And I was asking about Jacob Young, and they said, oh, he could play defensively in the big leagues right now and, and help us out a lot. And this is, again, a, a 23-year-old out of Florida in A-ball. But uh, they're base runner of the year based on those 52 stolen bases. That is it? wild, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, 52 steals. 120 runs scored, man. Yeah, that's that's insane. Um, just These are the kind of guys they need to just have somebody come up and surprise you. Yeah. Jacob Young, not in anybody's radar, you know, as was he, you said he was a third round pick out of Florida. Seventh. Seventh round pick. There you go. This is what they've been starved for. Not just the first rounders. We talk about the, the guys up at the very top, you know, where guys that were drafted a handful of years ago are still in a ball or, or, or whatever. They need some of these to supplement the, the bonuses, the guys that, you know, listen, they have all these different rounds for a reason. Sometimes they work out. Most of the time they're me and they don't work out and they're zeros and zilches and pudgy and sad and soft and, you know, cut themselves while taking a shower. Other times, though, somebody makes it. You know, the guy that nobody thought would be any good turns out to be a really good and a helpful player. If he could put bat to ball a little bit more, you know, and, and, and sort of surprise some people. Can you imagine that level of of, of speed and athleticism up, up, up at the show helping somebody? That might be pretty good. Yeah, totally. Uh, a couple other guys just with the minor league season ending to call attention to. As far as the minor league affiliates go, Sammy Infante led all the Nats minor leaguers with 17 home runs. 21 years old, spent uh, his season in A-ball with Fredericksburg. We saw Israel Pineda get to the major leagues this season, made an unbelievable meteoric rise. The catcher hit 16 homers. And then it's funny, the two guys after that in the home run rankings for the team, James Wood and Robert Hassel. Uh, James Wood with 12, Robert Hassel with 11. Obviously, almost all those home runs uh, were not hit in the Nationals organization. And you got Jeremy De La Rosa, Yasselin Tuna, and uh, T.J. White behind those guys. As far as stolen bases in the minor leagues, you know, we just mentioned uh, what Jacob Young was able to do this year um, among their top prospects. De La Rosa's 39 steals uh, among their, their top 30 guys led the way. And Tuna stole 27. Hassel stole 24. He told me the uh, second half of this year that he expected to steal a lot more moving forward. James Wood stole 20 bases. And then a couple of pitching notes really quickly. Uh, Mitchell Parker Quietly had a fantastic season. We talk about him on the pod from time to time. I think this guy has a chance to be a legitimate major league starter. The problem is that he walks too many batters and he's mm-hmm. got to throw strikes. And that's the whole question with Mitchell Parker, uh, who pitched at the same Juco as Jackson Rutledge. But 100 innings, 76 hits, and 117 strikeouts kind of tell the story for him this year. He was 23 in A-plus ball, uh, made 24 starts, and had a ERA of 2.8, um, and it was better than that for much of the year. But the whip was really high, 1.4. Yep. 67 walks in 100 innings. That's, that, that's the whole that's story it. there. Cut down on that, you got yourself something. Uh, otherwise, arm to look out for, Zach Brixey. He's, uh, he's fascinating. He's a reliever, 1.76 ERA this year in 51 games. How about 95 strikeouts in 61 innings? Jeez. Yeah. 95 Ks in 61 innings. And here's the craziest part about his stat line. Listen to this, because this is, to me, the, the most impressive stat line of anyone in the Nats system this year. 95 strikeouts in 61 innings, 33 hits. Whoa. Insanity, right? Okay. Uh, okay. Didn't get drafted. What would have been drafted. So there was a five-round draft in the 2020 pandemic. Oh, the, yeah, the weird year, Pretty right. sure this is the guy that went to Virginia Tech. 
And then he uh, wasn't get drafted, didn't get drafted that year. Very much would have been otherwise. But a 170 RA, just someone I wanted to call Dang. some attention to. Obviously, Jose Ferrer ended up pitching in the Futures game, filled in for Cavalli. He finished the year with a 240 RA. Will be a big league reliever probably sometime next year and a sub one whip. Um, yeah, I'll be curious to see if Brixie, you know, certainly Ferrer, Matt Cronin, some of those guys, maybe it's Evan Lee who got to the big leagues this year, kind of help out in the bullpen uh, next season at some point in Washington. All right, uh, Darius, what else do we got here? Any? Uh, we got anything to read? We got anything nice being said about us? Nothing, nothing new on the review end. Just want to make sure that you are uh, letting your friends know about Bustin' Loose Baseball. We're going to be doing this thing throughout the offseason as well. Rate, review, subscribe. Of course, if you review, we will read your five-star reviews. So that's a friendly way of telling us no one said anything nice about us this that week. That was a nice way week. to do it. Not yeah. this week. Not, not this week. I mean, guys, no. what is going on here? Not let do, up. I'm let down. Do we have to personally send, like, baked goods or something? Is is a shout-out not enough? Don't offer that because okay. I, can, I can't cook. Me either. Yeah. yeah. I mean, your wife makes great cookies i mean we could she does have her do that really that'd be amazing cookies. all right so we're announcing this on this episode we'll do a drawing among no i guess we won't do that <laughs> my wife's gonna be like what i have to do what for who yeah uh do you want to for a minute real quick tell everyone your story about your hand so we, i was naked it. right so i was naked i want everyone to keep that in mind if you got this far on the podcast you need, you deserve to know that i'm in the shower which again pretty reasonable to be naked in the shower and I go to close the shower door. It was these, uh, like, you know, those double doors, like a sliding glass door for, for the shower. And the one that is closer, there's they're layered. So the one that's closer to the water is the one that I was going to close. Seems all very reasonable so far, right? So as I'm, I'm grabbing it uh, by the handle, and I move it from left to right across your radio dial, and it hits a little bit of a snag. Oh, no. Right? And I don't think anything of it until the instant it hit that snag, the glass door, absolutely shattered. Shattered everywhere. Nothing but raining glass down on my naked person, onto the ground, uh, the, the floor of the shower, floor of the bathroom. Everything is covered in glass. And pretty soon I realize, oh, crap, I'm bleeding everywhere. I have probably 25 different cuts uh, all over my body. Again, nothing vital was cut. But I try to figure out which cut is worse, which is, which is better. Not, none of them are better. And I realized pretty quickly that my thumb, my left thumb, had a giant, giant gash in it. That was the one that was bleeding the most, but they're all bleeding, really. And I was in there for about 15 minutes, smacking the wall, uh, like Ray Liotta's character in Goodfellas, hoping that somebody might come be able to rescue me, because I couldn't walk, because there was nothing but glass on the ground. And if I moved at all, I'd be stepping on glass, like Andy Lennox. So finally, my buddy Quinn hears me, comes in. He and I have been friends since kindergarten. We're close. But we're a lot closer now because he's seen me naked, wet, and bloody. And he throws some towels on the ground, and I'm able to get out of there. I shower again to get the glass off of me, but had to go to the emergency room in Austin, Texas, to get stitched up by uh, the the doc down there that was presiding. It still cost $1,000 even after the deductible. Hospitals, man. Hospitals, man. Uh, happy to have you alive and on the podcast and uh, bandaged up and able to chat with us. By the way, not a joke. The Nationals just ran into another out on the base paths while you were telling that story. Well, they were winning in the game, right? So they could afford to lose the out. No, they're losing. Great. They were not Terrific. winning in the game. This has been Bustin' Loose Baseball. We'll be back at it next week. Thanks for listening.